Welcome to another episode of The Sample Hour. Before we get started with this episode, I just want to remind you guys, this podcast is brought to you by NewFarmSupply.com. Go to NewFarmSupply.com and use code word SAMPLE and save 20% off any purchase that you make. Also, while you're at it, take a look at the bottom of the show notes on this page, and you can actually click and save up to $100 off of Curtis Stone's Profitable Urban Farming course. Um, but I'm also excited to bring you guys, um, this isn't brought to you by the show, but I'm going to be going to this conference and Scott Hebert is too, uh, the regenerative agriculture conference, 2016, it is being put on by the Freeman family farms and Neoteric farms. And at this conference, you'll be able to learn from Michael Jordan, Jack Spearco, Justin Rhodes, Curtis Stone, and much more. If you guys go, you'll actually see a link at the very top but if you go to fundraiser so fun and then razor spelled like the crappy phone that motorola made r-a-z-r.com slash forward slash regenerative agriculture you guys can actually help put this event on so these events cost a lot of money to put on as you guys know I mean, maybe you don't know but i'm also you know i have a promotions company do the comedy shows i tell you guys what like these shows are really hard to put on Normally, you're putting on these shows because you, you're putting on people that you want to see. So um, I just want to kind of clarify that just because, you know, as as a fan of comedy, I always try to get comics that I can afford and put on. But I don't usually do crowdsourcing. But these guys are kind of inspiring me to, to put on a good show. But if you guys go there, they have some really good offers to get in. But you can actually get your ticket and help uh, promote the event. That's the way I'm going to do it. So maybe within the next couple paychecks here, I'm going to claim it, claim this. They, they got a hundred remaining right now. Um, anyways, guys, go ahead. I hope to see you guys at this conference in Colorado. And uh, I hope you guys enjoy the show. Thank you guys so much. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Sample Hour. I'm excited to have this guest on. I was trying to make it happen um, right after PV3. I actually met this gentleman at PV3 with a lot of other cool individuals. And uh, yeah, and actually was one of the first people I actually met at the conference besides Rob Kaiser. I met you and uh, Rich Rich Franzel, or I always forget how to say his last name. Uh, but, uh, yeah, ended up, we were already Facebook friends from the, the permaculture scene. And uh, he is kind enough to join me live at a farmer's market. Uh, Mr. Jonathan Dodd, how you doing today, sir? Oh, I'm doing wonderful. Thanks for having me on, Drew. Oh, man, it's it's a pleasure, man. I'm sorry we we couldn't get you on sooner. I know I um, I wanted you to have you on. I mean, we, we talked quite a bit at the conference, and, you know, I just know you got a, a pretty cool story, and right now you're you're hustling and making it, and... You know, you just made a, a decision to, to take some action. You've been, been doing a great job. Um, but, um, yeah, so you're, you're the owner and operator of New Earth Farm and Goods. And, uh, and yeah, if you just want to kind of tell us tell us your story, what you guys are doing right now, yeah. and we can kind of go through um, how you all got started, how you got started into this. Yeah. So we're actually on our second farm. Uh, we've been on this current property in Papillion, Nebraska. Uh, which is just outside the Omaha area. We've been here for four years. 
Um, our website is negoods.com, but our farm is New Earth Farm and Goods. And uh, we are providing food, fuel, fibers, and medicines to our community. Uh, we're really set up as like an educational farm. And I can talk a little bit about that. Um, we're getting pretty connected here. We have uh, we run like a CSA-like program, but we're doing something different this year. We did a market share membership program where people sign up for 250 like a CSA, but instead they get whatever they want. They get a weekly email, and then they're able to pick what they want. So that really helped us get going this year, uh, especially focusing on some of our annual vegetable crops and focusing on limiting some of how much variety that we're doing. Um, our farm is probably one of the, if not the most diversified small scale farm in Nebraska. Um, we have planted almost everything that you can grow out here. Uh, we have about a half acre market garden areas. Uh, our farm is completely terraced all over the place. Uh, I've used a lot of logs from the forest and free materials to do that. So we have different market gardens. I've planted over 2000 trees of fruits, nuts, um, you know, all the, all the good permaculture trees and plants, um, including all the understory herbaceous layer and vines and canes and flowers and bulbs and garlics and creepers and fungi. We have over five different types of edible mushrooms growing on the farm right now as well. We also do, um, uh, chicken eggs, duck eggs, uh, broilers and, uh, pasture pigs. We have American guinea hogs and we also do Icelandic sheep, um, as well as some geese and turkey that are more just for fun on the farm. Um, why am I a farmer? I think that might be a better yeah. question to, to answer. And, um, I don't have a background in agriculture. I do have a master's, uh, of divinity. I study a lot of like ancient languages and history and culture and, um, and I went, I was at school in, uh, Vancouver, British Columbia for three years to do that. So are you, but, are you originally from Canada, Jonathan, or where are you originally from? And I'm, I'm a pastor's kid and I got drug all over the place. I grew up in Texas. Uh, I lived in Colorado for eight years. I've lived in Florida three different times. Uh, I lived in Vancouver, BC for three years. Uh, in fact, I met my wife in Switzerland. I was living over there for about five months and that's where we met, uh, over 10 years ago. And I've been on this crazy journey together. So, um, yeah. So if I, do, I guess maybe I should start with Vancouver. That might be a good place for me to start yeah. the story. Absolutely, um, man. Is that where you first, so, I mean, so you get out of high school and, you know, is that where you or went to well, college and then you decided, you know what, I want to be a pastor like my dad? Like, was that something that you immediately decided yeah. you wanted to do? Well, actually, I got through college and I was not wanting to be a pastor. Never in my wildest dreams did I ever think that I'd want to do that. But um, I really struggled with a lot of issues and questions and um, of faith and how it was taught to me. And I didn't like a lot of, not like, I didn't, I had a hard time comprehending. So I actually went to school. I was trying to figure out what I believed. So I went back and studied like Hebrew and um, even some Ugaritic and Koine Greek and got really in depth in learning how to read text well. And um, honestly, a lot of that gave me a framework, man, to think critically and you learn how to use language and understand language and uh, communicate. Um, I was a pastor at a church for a few, for three and a half years. Um, but actually, when I left school, um, is when I went to, that's how I became a farmer. Okay. Um, I went, so, yeah, my, 
uh, a friend of mine um, had an orphanage in Nicaragua and they had run out of money and they were going to have to close down. And someone said, hey, I think you should start a coffee company uh, and use the profits to keep the orphanage going. And, and it was this when you were still a pastor or, or why did you no, decide to, to, yeah. to leave that role? Because I think that's, yeah. that's pretty interesting. Yeah. So I actually started farming before I became a pastor. Okay. I ended up uh, leaving our first farm, taking the job. Uh, because it gave me a platform to work in Nicaragua with, you know, resources and people. And um, so that's kind of why we made that decision. Um, okay. So we, we moved to Nebraska um, in 2012, January 2012, and found our piece of land and just kept building our farm and and learning uh, for the next three years. And now here we are uh, in our fourth year, so our fifth season on this property. Um but yeah, so so but but you were originally started so you originally started farming. So you went to Vancouver, British Columbia, yeah, to become a pastor. And then what brought you to Florida after that? And and ultimately, um, now was it first you went to? I guess like so. What order? Because you were farming, and then did you go to Nicaragua, or did it happen before? Uh, or were you already was, telling that story and I interrupted you? Well, <laughs> I, I was kind of I was kind of going there. It's you know I've been to Nick. I first went to Nicaragua in two thousand three. And then 2004, 2006, so I was really influenced and uh, by the people where I was working and, and with. And in 2009, in the fall, my friend said, hey, we're going to have to close down the orphanage. So we, we packed up everything we had and we moved from Vancouver, British Columbia to Florida um, because that's where uh, that organization was based that we were trying to help. And so okay. our goal was to work with uh, coffee farmers in Nicaragua and then use and then bring the coffee in the u.s sell it in the u.s and then use the profits to keep the orphanage uh going um but uh you know honestly things don't always work out as we plan them to be in fact that coffee company i started two more times uh with some different partners but um what that did though is it gave me a a love for coffee and and people in the jungle uh so uh, where we got the coffee from was a place called Santa Martha de Lomo Azul, Nicaragua, which is in the mountains in the north, right where the heart of the Civil War was fought. Um, I was the first white person into the community. Uh, we're talking no electricity, no running water, really poor education, no sanitation, people walking a half mile uh, each way on average every day to get water from the bottom of a slope to bring it back up to their house that was full of runoff of chemicals and and waste. And so... Um, for me, becoming a farmer was like, how do I learn how to help people? I guess I should learn how to do what they do. So that's what set us off on the journey. So being organic from the very beginning, because I didn't have any education to say, hey, you can't do it this way. Yeah. Um, so that's how we started. And um, I got my permaculture design certificate from Midwest Permaculture back in 2013, I believe, 2000. Uh, 13 is when I did. So we had already been farming for three and a half years. Um, and when, when you, I did that. when you started farming, like who, who did you go to first to, to kind of start teaching <laughs> yourself how to farm? Yeah. So that's kind of funny. Honestly, I started with a lot of my farmers around me, my neighbors, the guys working the farmer's market who saw me work selling coffee and they wanted to support and they came around me and, uh, uh, and then, you know, I have a, a, a knack for learning. So reading a lot of books. I actually started with the dirt doctor, Howard Garrett, um, learning about soil and started selling a lot of his products back in those days. Um, and, uh, 
kind of moved up from there really you know self-taught uh honestly by the end of the time that we left florida i had started a permanent organic market with seven other farmers and um i was the go-to guy for consulting and helping people with their amendments the organic amendments and it was fun um and then when i started working more specifically after i moved uh is when the community asked me hey can you help us get clean water and i had just got done reading mark shepherd's book restoration agriculture but i got a copy of it before it came out and i was at the acres conference in 2012 and um I got a copy of that book and I read it over and immediately I fell in love and I was like, I got to figure this out. And so I did my PDC and I was able to apply that to the community. And that's the most beautiful thing is that I use the permaculture process and critical thinking to an entire community and watched it grow and become successful along the way. You know, a lot of learning curves for sure. But uh, yeah, so working um, in Nicaragua with coffee farmers, um, over the past six years, I've been able to take over uh, 300 people to Nicaragua on teams and groups from medical teams and uh, people that work with families and kids. Um, for me personally, and also finding others around me to help teach a lot more of the agricultural side of things. So dealing with uh, land design and <clears throat> dealing with water, dealing with food systems, trying to create uh, more commerce businesses for annual vegetable production in the mountains, uh, building Toilets, composting toilets, stoves, ovens out of cob, um, off-grid fish systems. So, um, yeah. Uh, so six years later, they now have clean water. Um, there's over 700 people with clean water at their homes uh, with two springs cased, off-grid, still no electricity. And, um, yeah, they're, they're doing well. Um, that's a whole other thing I could talk for hours about. Um, <laughs> So, so, but, we, so, so you started, so was that when you first started really kind of applying permaculture was in Nicaragua? Uh, I feel like honestly it was started on my farm here first. It was, uh, how do I make this work? And the best way to teach it is to do it. Yeah. And I'm a, I'm a doer. I don't, I mean, you know, my problem is I usually don't wait and think things through all the way sometimes. And I learn as I go and adapt. And, um, so Yeah. Um, so, well, when you first started farming in Florida, cause you started farming there, correct? And yes. You, and you right. leased land. So what approaches were you doing with farming? I mean, were you doing like, cause now you're more yeah. market gardener style. Yeah. And I guess like how, how, how have you kind of evolved or, from where you started? Yeah. I think, you know, part of it is just being naive and thinking everything's going to work and growing a lot of food and trying to be as diverse as possible with our things that we're offering and which we really are still, but, um, now you're just doing um, it more thought out methodically. Yeah. And, you know, just learning, honestly, starting for me was with the soil, learning how soil works. I was so fascinated by the microbiology. I'm still dumbfounded. Every time I watch a seed sprout, I'm just like, wow, this is so amazing. Um, um, so that's where, you know, it, it it began. And we, when we first started, we actually started our farm, uh, like an experiment, and we started a nonprofit called KPOS, which means, and not KPASA, it's not Spanish, it's KPOS, K E I P O S, which means garden in Koine Greek. And KPOS is really a story of people in place from a heart in the city and to the world. Uh, we use uh, agriculture, horticulture, and regenerative design education 
uh, for tools to building bridges to a better world, uh, participating in the restoration of people in place. So now KPOS is nonprofit, but uh, is not our farm. They're two separate things. Uh, our farm is our business. It's our home. It's where we're connecting to our customers, to our community. Um, uh, but KPOS, a nonprofit, utilizes the farm for education and then hospitality and um, different events that we put on. Um, and, so, that's, and that's actually really interesting. I'm glad you brought that up because there's a lot of times, like even in my city, there's there's really popular nonprofits where everybody wants to be a nonprofit and they're trying to farm for profit as a nonprofit. Um, you know, and, and I think the way you're doing it makes a lot of sense. And because it's like, you know, you have you have both they're separate entities, but they work together. Yes. Um, so what ultimately made you make that decision? You know, I can't do this as a farm and a nonprofit or as a business yeah. and a nonprofit. Like yeah. what, what helped you kind of arrive to that conclusion? Yeah. I think my motivator was not wanting my farm to be nonprofit, but to make it profitable. So if I'm actually trying to help people and I'm trying to help teach them to help themselves, the best way is to be abundant and profitable in myself. So I've strived to make my farm profitable so that I can teach more profitable models to other people. Yeah. Uh, so our goal is to only give back. That's our goal with KPOS is that we're only giving back to it. We're not taking from it. We're not exactly there yet, but that's our, that's our goal and that's where we're headed. Uh, KPOS is also working in the inner city. So from our heart, which is our farm in the city, uh, we work with a few different nonprofit organizations. One is Habitat for Humanity, and we have over inner, 30 inner city lots, uh, and we're trying to establish community gardens, food forest parks, and give urban farmers land access, training, and access to markets, um, as well as our continued work in Nicaragua. That's awesome, and that's a lot of hats to uh, to juggle, man. Uh, <laughs> I have a community lot just down the street, and I live in... I mean, Columbus is a nice place, but I live in a more depressed area of Columbus, and like people just use my lot as a dump, and it's like it's hard because it's just me. Nobody in the neighborhood really wants to wants to be involved with it. So, I guess like you know, uh, how have you run into that, or is it pretty? Do people respect that land that you're you're trying to to teach people on? I mean, do you do you do you still have obviously because I mean it it's really cool that you're doing it, but like I, I think a lot of people don't always see you know, what you have to deal with when you try to do stuff for the community, man, because a lot of people oh, yeah. don't appreciate it. Yeah, man, I've uh, I've gone through all that. I have so much experience working with groups and communities and trying to move away from, like, the agenda that I have to being in relationship and learning how to listen better. Yeah. Um, and then understanding the eight forms of capital, understanding where my strengths are, understanding where other people's strengths are, and then using those to work together to build something wanna, that is... Do you want to run down the eight forms of capital real quick just for, yeah. for people that might not be aware of it? Yeah. So when we're thinking about uh, abundance, we're thinking about wealth. Um, I think we have a scale of being abundant or, or having scarcity. And that, that's our capital where we fall on that, that line. A lot of people think of capital as money. So first form of capital would be... Um, like financial capital, um, that's the one we always kind of go to. But there's seven other really good ones. One is living capital. Living capital is, uh, you know, trees, soil, air, things that are growing, uh, that those are abundant. I mean, to live in a place like, for example, where Neil Spackman is in Saudi Arabia, 
versus a jungle like Nicaragua, there's a difference of living capital <laughs> in the jungle Absolutely. for sure. Uh, material capital would be the third one. That would be how we turn living capital into uh, a product. So taking wood and making a table, um, taking mining minerals from the soil and the earth and making computers, that's material capital. Uh, another one is um, experiential capital. And that's a really interesting one that I think is really important that we miss a lot of times. So for example, working in the jungle, um, I have... Uh, I was putting, trying to put in a fish system. I saw this guy, he had water flowing through his property with a, um, uh, a poly pipe. And I'm like, man, we could put fish up here. So I, I created an idea and he was excited and he went with it. And we got it almost set up and ready to go. And then I was thinking, man, I wonder, has this guy ever eaten fish before? We're in the mountains. We're far from any place where there's lakes. And he's like, no, I have never eaten a fish. In fact, I've never even seen a fish. So, you know, we, we have such a, we can't even comprehend what that means. Um, so, I mean, to finish that story the very next day, the first thing I did was I brought him up fish to eat for him to try so that he could have an experience with the fish. So then he would want to grow it. Uh, next form of, of, of capital would be uh, informational capital. And I feel like that was the biggest thing that I could bring specifically to a place like Nicaragua, where I have access to the internet and videos and education and training, and I can take ideas to them uh but in honestly morphing into a way where they do all the work uh i have gone to a place where i don't try not to do anything i come with ideas and ways to go around it but have the people that are working or are, are building do it themselves and own it and figure out ways and help them problem solve and to see them take that ownership uh, no form of capital is the cultural capital and I think that's actually something that our power and electricity and our grid system begin to destroy is that we become so isolated. We create a new type of culture. We lose that community culture that can be really um, can be beautiful, like, say, in a village like Nicaragua. Um, but at the same time, it kind of is rebuilding via the form of the Internet, which is ironically like how we've become friends even though people use yeah oh people exactly people still use the internet to just stalk ex-boyfriends and girlfriends and yeah people they don't like but anyways i didn't mean to interrupt you like that but it's like <laughs> it's like a transition right you go from the village yeah. to chaos and back to pr productivity i guess yeah anyways so, i didn't mean yeah. to just throw that uh, uh, tire no, in there it's good uh I think I only missed one. I might have missed those. I didn't count them out. Uh, spiritual, that's the other one, or uh, the spiritual capital of a place. And I would honestly, how I would boil that down was to be a sense of worth and dignity and connection. Um, and that spiritual capital is like, if we can't be abundant in ourselves, what are, how are we ever going to be able to give to others yeah. well, um, which is a really important part. I don't think I missed any. I might have. So when I quit my job, oh yeah, we didn't talk about that. I yeah, yeah, yeah. Job. So, so let's so let's <laughs> let's talk about this. So, you're farming in, uh, you're trying to figure out farming in nonprofit in Florida. Then do you go to Nicaragua and then go to go back to Nicaragua and then back to Nebraska? Or how did that go down? Yeah. So I was just going to Nicaragua for like one week, two week times, traveling. Um, and I was trying to figure out how do I help this community in a bigger way, specifically the coffee farming community where I started to work in Santa Martha. And then I got offered a job to be a, a missions pastor at a church. And I thought, man, I'm going to take this platform and 
I'm going to use it to try to help people. So that's what I did. And uh, so I was able to bring my Nicaragua work into uh, that position and um, did that for three and a half years um, working and building. And that got me really connected in the city uh, with like Habitat and some other organizations like Abide and uh, doing some really great inner city work. Um, so, yeah, we were starting and so we were living in nebraska by that time 2012 we moved to nebraska and started our farm working on our profit and um eventually it just like I, something had to go something had to give i was doing way too much and we took the leap and uh resigned uh june 1st of last year and we've just been going at it since then um um you ever, I, I guess like do you feel at the same time like this is a kind of a because I, I think um, I think probably the way you went about your faith, and I feel like you probably come closer to faith through farming and through permaculture in a sense, and I, I could be wrong, but do you feel like you're doing more as a pastor now than when you're at a role in a church? Yeah, yeah I think so, but I, I want to be clear too, is like I'm still a pastor in the sense of, in Spanish, pastor, it's yeah. a shepherd. It's someone who watches over things and cares for things. And that's what we're doing on our farm. And in fact, I see our farm as a church. We have actually drew planted a church. We have an acre and a half linear food forest that's set up in an amphitheater type setting. And with our trees being so young right now, we use the rows uh, to host events and throw a concert and have a church service, so to speak, uh, invite people to join. And so... We just had one of our concerts uh, a few weeks ago and uh, yeah, allowing people to come with their families and sit on our farm and um, participate that way. Um, so totally lost my train of thought from the eight forms of capital. Though. You're all good. You're all good. Don't <laughs> worry about it. We could keep going. Um, yeah. So, I mean, so we're telling your story, but okay. So, you know, you, 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 you resigned, but when you first got now, did you buy your land when you moved to Nebraska then? Yeah, so we're paying a mortgage. We have a high mortgage that we pay. Um, I'm in the oldest house in a area that's kind of been cut up into five 10-acre parcels, and our house is the original one that owned a lot of it. And so we have these giant mansions going up all around us, and um, people are sprawling out towards us. Um, and uh, honestly, I've been able to apply those eight forms of capital to how I function in my own farm and my own life. Oh, I missed a form of capital. That was a social capital. Yeah, that that's was a really was big one. That's a huge one. Yeah. Yeah. So that's been a big one I've I've leveraged. So uh, quitting my job, for example, I'm like I can't spend money. How do I, you know, not just slow waste streams down, but how do I access free waste streams? And I do that through social capital. I build relationships. Uh, right now, I collect food waste from a restaurant every single day. I've been doing it for over a year. I hardly buy any feed for my animals. And um, I build the relationships there. I drink beer free every night at this amazing restaurant that gives me their food waste. It's pretty cool. That's pretty um, cool. So our farm, in fact, is built out of a lot of uh, waste stream materials as well. So learning how to access and harness them, uh, you know, from wood chips being dumped on the property and massive piles inoculated with strafaria to broken concrete or pallets and things that people are throwing away. Um, you know, that's just kind of how we've gone about uh, building our farm. Um, this year we, I traded, uh, some of that for time and money. So I spent money to save me some time (laughs) to help us expand. So 
that was a, a trade-off. As um, long as it's worth it, though. So, okay, yeah. so when you, when you bought that land, because you have, you have five, five and a half acres? Yeah, five and a quarter. Five and a quarter. Um, how did you go about your plan? Like, did you plan on yeah. having a market garden? Like, how did you plan? Because you got cool, you got a cool food force yeah. going on. Like, did it, was it first, I just want to do Silvo pasture style? Or was I think at first it was just like, hey, let's get our garden going, let's get our food going, and then it was, you know, we've gone through Dexter cows and different breeds of sheep, and then after I did my PDC, is where I'm like, okay, actually, I started before my PDC. Uh, I installed a lot of things before, I, you know, all those stories about, you know, you hear about those farmers like me that they just go and carve up the land and build too many swales and <laughs> sprinkle. <laughs> you know, sprinkle herb spirals everywhere and all those silly things. So, um, honestly, let me just put it this way. I just like, I threw shit at the wall, uh, and saw what stuck, but I did not do that blindly. I mean, I was at Grant Schultz farm at Versaland at his first, that first year I was at the course with Ben Falk and then the next one, Darren Doherty. And so I used a lot of that, uh, information that I got from Grant, um, and those, those times to really, Help me think through some of my design and, and planting systems. Uh, we've planted all of our tree lines on our farm. Uh, the five and a quarter acre is completely planted out. Um, that's a whole other story with neighbors. And actually, I'm working on a book right now. I'm hoping to really hunker down on it this fall, but it's it's mainly done. Kind of walking through our story and some different models that I've created. Um, or I don't want to say I, I've created it. I feel like I actually have arrived at them just dealing with the problems I have to deal with every day. Right. Um, the, pro- the problems, the solution. Yeah. Yeah. Like how do I use language to help people move to where they want to be, or they maybe move them to where they don't know where they want to be yet. Um, understanding the zone map. That's been a huge thing. Um, actually came up with a brand new zone map drew that no one has seen yet. Uh, and it's a totally new thing that works really well. Um, that's looking more at the connection between relationships versus necessarily the zones of space uh, as mo- when you're moving out. Um, but uh, that so, would be something else. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. That's cool, man. Um, so like, so that's pretty cool. I'm looking forward to that um, because, you know, I, I see you post a lot in the market garden success group. Now, when did you, um, now, do you do you model like your market gardens? I'm I'm guessing yeah. like base kind of similar off Curtis and uh, and JM. Yeah, definitely. I've definitely moved to that more model of high dollar per square foot production. You know, we have a BCS. We have all the tools, the tilter and landscape fabric. You got a nice and, drying um, station set up too. I saw you were. Yeah, we're. Out. I got to get yeah. that going for me. We're still working on that. We're you know we keep tweaking and and tweaking and. Because uh, we're also working on our microgreen setup, which is in our sunroom in the house. So, um, yeah, we're doing a lot of uh, small veg production for our market garden. Um, just some of the exact same crops that Curtis is doing. Uh, but we're doing a lot more because we have the space. So we're doing a lot of our long-term pumpkins and watermelon. And I'm actually planting corn. You know, I'm doing some three-sister stuff and using those in our alleyways. So after I run the animals through, I'll actually come through and then I'll plant behind them some of our long, longer season crops. Um, so, yeah, I think our appeal is just all the diverse things that we offer on the farm. So, because um, and, and this year, and I'm, you know what, guys? So my uh, my recording device 
I just stopped working when we. So this is actually our second attempt. So I'll I'll admit it. I've been not the best podcaster in the world recently. Uh, I had the same thing up with me and Scott. But anyways, Jonathan. Um, you know. So what? Um, you know. So how did you guys go about getting that cash flow initially on the farm? Um, honestly, dude, a lot of it from the beginning was, uh, money that we spent that we had and, uh, you know, we got in trouble with debt and that's where we're still fighting that right now. And, um, um, it's just the reality, but learning, trying to manage that, uh, to grow our business is I think an acceptable thing. Absolutely. Um, so, but you know, I mean, so, doing. so did you first start a CSA? Did you start hitting yeah. up restaurants? Yeah. CSA. Uh, mainly working local farmers market using my job church connections to you know reach a lot of those people and customers and then you know starting to move into restaurants and then uh, wholesaling to we have really good setup here of food systems for distribution we got some different like um, wholesale food distributors so we can move food through them as well Um, so yeah Uh, in fact this year, I th- I used Nextdoor. It's an amazing app. I picked up 40 brand new customers to join our membership program within a four-mile radius of my farm where there's only 20,000 people. That's um, awesome, man. Yeah, we've so, been having good luck with that with just eggs. Like eggs, everyone's like saying, we love your duck eggs. We love these eggs. When can I get more eggs? So, yeah, I think for, for farmers, especially doing it in an urban environment or doing a small scale, I think that's a it's a great app that I think a lot of people kind of sleep on. Yeah. So, uh, so that's pretty cool. Um, so how do you see, where do you see um, you guys kind of taking the farm business wise um, yeah. in the future? Cause now you have interns and you, you're, yep. you're getting expanding. So what is like, where do you see, like, where would you like to see you guys going? Um, Cause you, you are going to have some perennial systems probably kicking in yeah. um, production as well. So yeah, I think right now, you know, a lot of the small veg stuff is really just cash flow things, uh, selling a lot of food, connected to a lot of customers, and moving to more of that, the perennial. Honestly, I think we're moving to more of a U-pick type operation because really we're about hospitality. Yeah. Um, and morphing, you know, uh, kind of as Curtis would say, say, putting your ideals in your back pocket and uh, starting to do that a lot. And um, this year, I still like we're in a big startup phase, but... Um, we're just getting everything set up to really produce in a different way on a much larger scale. I mean, and I've been building that over time as well. So we already had our walk-in cooler set up. Uh, we had, and did you our, do a cool bot for that or did you guys actually purchase? Yeah, a- no, that's a cool bot. I got a recycled, um, walk-in frames and then did a cool bot system in it. That's cool. So, I've been struggling with that, uh, trailer, man. It's been, yeah. Uh, it's been a, I was wondering about that. It's been quite an ordeal, man. Matt Cofey really made it sound way easier than what it was, but no, it was mainly just getting like I uh, I got like this this big air AC unit, and it's eighty pounds, so we had to have something like welded in there. So, but I mean, it's just you just gotta take everything. I mean, I think, and you kind of really kind of said it best. I mean, you know, right now you're just kind of hustling because you're doing everything yeah. you can to make sh- shit happen. But it's like, you know, what? that's the whole thing with farming, man, I think. And that's what's cool is like, uh, you know, we you got to, you know, things don't never really go the way you think they're going to go. And you just got to roll with it. Um, so, okay, so we talked about where your business is going. But 
I can tell Jonathan that your true passion is Capos. So it is. where would you like to see Capos going throughout um Omaha? Like where would yeah. you what 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 is your vision for that? Because I think that's because I like talking farming, but I you know, I, I gotta this is your podcast, Jonathan. So I want yeah. I want I want you to kind of talk about like what because you, you said you'd like to build an army. So what kind yeah. of um how many people are you guys training on the farms right now or on yeah. those lots right now? Yeah, let me let me start with one other thing and then and then address that. So one of my value add things, so you know, we're doing value add products, um, canned stuff and bread. We also still sell coffee as well that um, gets coffee from Santa Martha, roasted here. That's actually a different business that became Santa Martha Cafe, which I sold to my partner, and he's using the profits to help our, do our work in Nicaragua. But um, um, uh, one of the value add things that I think I'm able to bring is, you know, we've created a model. We have a demonstration, and then people can come out and see that, and then they want help on their own properties. I'm able to do more consulting. We're selling plants as well, so building our nursery base as well. So people come look at the farm and then they have something to take home with them. So those are some of the value add things that I'm able to do through the farm. Uh, KPOS, actually one of the things where I have come to learn and if coming to now is, you know, you can only do so much and the farm takes so much time during the growing season that it's hard to leave. And like you said earlier, a lot of people like, how do you go into a place and work with people and how do you get them to take care of it? And, you know, those things take time. And one of the things I'm coming to now is uh, trying to bring people to the farm first and give them the training there before we send them out. So instead of just going in the inner city and building a community garden, we're finding the people that want to be urban farmers uh, and want the training and then bringing them onto the farm to give them that experience before they're sent back out. So that's that's really the, the true passion for sure is the education. Um, I love to teach uh, you know, that's my education and background. And, um, I think it's also probably part of being a one, becoming a pastor too. I think the best pastors yeah. are the best teachers. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I think the, the language thing has been probably the most fun for me is how do you communicate things effectively? Like how do I cross cultures and share people the same information or how about share them different information using the same words? So say one thing, but have two different messages to do different groups of people. Um, that's been a fun experiment that I've tried to work on and, and learned how to do. Yeah, um, and also too because I think when you explained it earlier, I was I was struggling to grasp when you said zones of communication, like in space. Are you yeah. talking about like more like ethereal or or? No, uh, both and so like when you think about your zone planning for your farm, your farm, your sector analysis, you're looking at your zone zero, your home area. Zone one is, you know, that your garden space around your house. Zone two is your uh, livestock orchard. Three could be your pasture. Four, you know, grazed woodland area. Five is that untouched area. And that's stacking. Those are zones of space and zones of time. So space and like proximity to where you are, how far away, but also how much time you spend in a place. So we can understand that as a form of sequence also. So as we plan on our farm to be a, you know, a hundred acre chestnut system raining, you know, food from the sky. Um, but we're in the short term, we're stacking in space uh, and in time of sequence, our plants. So starting with, you know, your leafy greens and 
doing asparagus and, and berries. And um, so for, for zones, um, I've applied that to my house as well and, and how I interact with my local community. So for me, when I was at the church, I actually brought the zone map into the mission model of the church where zone one, zone zero was the home slash uh, church. Zone one was your community around you. Uh, I'm sorry, zone two is your like neighborhood where you live. Zone two is your community where your kids go to school or they play their sports. Zone three is your metropolitan city area. Zone four, uh, we made that as like region nation and then five was the world. But I've applied that to my own base too from our farm. So, um, you know, zone zero is my farm, my entire house. That's our heart. That's the center. In fact, that's something I learned from Ben Falk. I asked him, I said, you know, as we're doing our final farm planning, I feel like I'm spending so much time moving sheep and doing all these things way out in zone three, and I can't ever get order to my zone zero. What is the most important thing? Where should I start? And he said, you know what, dude, it starts, it starts in the center. It's, it starts in the heart. So it starts in the heart and then you push your way out, you know, make it yeah. turning uh, chaos to order. So I've applied that to uh, a few different things. One is Zone zero is our farm. Zone one is my neighbors that touch my property around me and my neighborhood. I have six neighbors who touch my property and I have different stories and relationships with them from uphill and downhill. So uh, where my waste stream goes. And I don't mean to interrupt, but real quick, I mean, because you're doing different stuff. I mean, have you have you got had some uh, some issues with neighbors, like getting everything set up or? Yes. So uh, I have six neighbors. My farm is actually a flower petal. I'm sorry, a flower. And the, our farm is a center property uh, where the pollen is with six flower petals touching us around, upslope, downslope, um, to the sides. My biggest struggle has been my downslope neighbor who loves to spray uh, lots of chemicals. In fact, our first interaction was... I said, hey, what are you spraying over there on my fence line? He said, oh, this stuff is amazing. It kills everything. And he was spraying 2,4-D. Um, he hates our farm. You know, they don't like our farm to see our animals and all the people that come through. Uh, so I planted our entire fence line with willow. and made a willow, you know, a hedgerow of willow and then trees inside that. And then the other slope on where we connect, I put another hedgerow of black locust. So basically just shutting him out. Uh, my neighbor upslope for me just built a giant house and uh, I want to be best friends with him. Uh, he's actually got me connected to a lot of businesses here. So I've joined the local chamber uh, with chamber of commerce, which is a great tool. I think for any to join it and do, because there's not a lot of people doing produce in the chamber and every business wants to be a part of, wants to be supporting you and on your team. Uh, and right now I have, two chambers like begging me to be a part of their different groups. And, uh, and he's the one that got me connected to that neighbor up slope. He's also let me graze half of his property with our animals and use his, uh, five acres as a parking lot for our, for our concerts that we're putting on. So, you know, I'm thinking accessing free waste streams. How do I build a good relationship and how do I harness that social capital that he has and be good friends with him and, I'm not saying they're not trying to be good friends with all my neighbors because I am. Um, even my neighbor downslope, I'm trying to always find ways to serve him and uh, do that. So I'd say that's my zone one. Zone two is my community. Those are restaurants where I get 
food waste. That's where I can try to sell waste to rest. I'm sorry, sell produce to restaurants. And then similarly, you know, zone three, the city and, and so on. Uh, but our, the new model that I tried to create was taking that zone map and applying it into a connection and relationship with functions on the farm. So zone zero is uh, me and my spouse, my family unit, um, calling those servants. Zone one would be our, our apprentices and interns all that spend a lot of hours working on the farm and uh, grueling away. Uh, zone two is our workers. Those are like part-time people that are working on the farm. Uh, uh, zone three is our volunteers. Those are who commit every week to, to working at least a half a day per week. Uh, zone four are our insiders. Those are any people who come onto the farm, any customer that comes on uh, wants to be a part. And then zone five is the outsiders. That's the untouched, unreached people potential <laughs> out there outside our farm gate. So um, that's been something fun to play and work around with here um, last few days. Um, I'm sorry, I don't even know remember where we were going. Or where we were. <laughs> no worries, man. Hey, uh, it's all good. So, um, well, so how many? You know, I guess we could probably wrap it up here because uh, since I wasted the first 15 yeah. minutes of the conversation, but we got <laughs> we got a lot. Um, so you're you're writing a book. You you got you're building a a nonprofit. You're building yep. a business. You're hustling to. Oh to make your family stay afloat and, and just make stuff happen, man. So yeah. how, well, let me, let, I'll go ahead and bring it back to this. If you want give me five more minutes and I'll, uh, Oh dude. Yeah. You can have as much it. time as you want. Great. So, um, you asked, you said, Hey, you're trying to build an army. How are you doing that? I think one of the ways I'm doing that is through structuring, uh, our relationships, uh, function on the farm. So not just teaching people, but teaching people to teach. Um, and, harnessing other groups so for example i'm working with eagle scouts now and i have i uh, did one eagle scout project and now i have like four or five more that just keep uh lining up and uh i got two of them working on and then we got more phone calls coming in so using eagle scout projects as a way to to get things done um so yeah really not just building an army but building a colony right to ripple out to replicate and to to spread um like all good things do that grow um so that's how we're doing that on the farm um and with kpos honestly also in the, in the city specifically um so i want to tell you one story and why i'm so passionate about and why i've done the things that i've done um you know we moved to nebraska four years ago and um it was a new world to be surrounded by corn soy um, commodity crop operations, you know, all GMOs surrounding me and trying to make a difference in the, in the places where I, at, I was at, specifically working in the inner city. Um, so uh, I wanted to create a model. The best way to, to create change is not by talking, but by demonstrating and doing. So that's what I set out to do is to be positive and create a positive model that shows other people what is possible and something they have not seen. So people come out to the farm, they get experience, and then they want to go and do that themselves. Uh, Papillion, where I live, Papillion, Papillon, means butterfly in um, French. And um, it was actually named by French fur traders who were coming up the Missouri River, and they came up on our town and saw butterflies everywhere. Papillon, Papillon, and so it stuck. 
Papillion is ranked number two in Money Magazine as the top place to live in the country. Um, it's been consistently ranked in the top five for the last six years. It's growing, it's booming. Uh, Omaha, our city, our metro area, is actually number two in the nation for best place to raise a family. Uh, Omaha is a, a great family-friendly town. It's got a lot of things going on, a lot of growth. However, our inner city, which we stigmatize here by calling North Omaha, our inner city is number two in the nation for the most violent place for an African-American to live. We have high, high murder rates, uh, STDs, spotless homes, um, just a lot of violence and uh, really through scarcity of generations. And so working in, and then doing that, working in the inner city, seeing this great place where we live, and then watching people throw so much stuff away, I'm like, we can do something with that. So that's what we've set out to do from our farm is to create a ripple. And in fact, I'd say that our farm here in Papillion is the heart of the United States. I actually believe this, that um, if a change is going to happen, it's going to start at the heart. It's going to start on our farm. Um, and I began to push that vision last year and, and we started working really hard at making it true and focusing on the outcomes. And honestly, what happened was I lost sight of the relationships around me and I crashed and burned. Um, I got in a car wreck uh, a few weeks after quitting my job. I herniated a disc at the end of the season, building a straw bale passive solar, not passive solar, straw bale uh, cob structure um, and put me out for the rest of the season. And then I got diagnosed with a cyst, a pericardial cyst, uh, the size of a baseball on my heart after I'd already been talking this heart language. And I realized that, you know, I'm trying to do all this work out there. I'm trying to make all this change, but I realize, you know what the problem is? The problem is not out there. The problem is me. And it starts inside of me. And I've, I've come to that place. And that's our, that's our tagline now is it starts in the heart. Um, and we have a song to go with it. Actually, it's a reggae song from the 90s covered by Maxi Priest. <laughs> so <laughs> That's um, cool, though, yeah. man. So that's kind of um, where we're at here is, and, and what we're doing. Um, we have a lot of things like uh, not just the food and produce. We have our internship, but we're doing a lot of courses. So we have uh, we had a three day plant propagation course that we did uh, on bees, trees, mushrooms, and uh, soil uh, back in April. We have a cob, um, an earthen oven workshop that we'll be doing uh, here coming up July 29th through 31st. Uh, that will be a, a great um, thing for us with an amazing builder that I work with. So I'm not all the thing for me is dude, is I realize I'm not, I don't know everything and I'm not perfect to everything, but I know But you're doing my, it, man. That's the biggest but, thing. But I find the people who are amazing and I partner with them and then I get to learn from them and we get to grow together and I can focus on my skills and they can focus on theirs. And, you know, we're building a community. We're not just building a farm or we're, we're not just building a community here. We're shaping the rest of our community around us by um, how we're living and what we're doing. Um, so that's yeah, awesome, man. dude. That's, no, that's, that's really cool. Um, it's good to see your passion about it, man. And you're just making it happen, man. I mean, here's the thing too. What I like about your story, Jonathan is, you know, you're not, um, I mean, you're doing it in your own way and you're doing it for the way that, that, the best fits you you know what i mean 
So, yep. and I think that's what's great, man. And I think, uh, I don't know. I got, a lot of, I got mad respect for you, man. You, you quit your job and you're making stuff happen, man. And you're still living life on your terms. You know what I mean? So I and, think and that's it right there on, on my terms, you know, um, um, uh, so I developed something else. Uh, it's an acronym. It's called the cast system. Uh, and that's C-A-S-T. And we need to get out of the caste system with an E. Uh, you know, we need to get out of the disparity and separation of classes and um, richer getting richer, poor getting poorer. As we get out of the caste with an, an E and we need to get in the caste system, caste system. So first we need the C and that's capitalism. If you don't work, you don't eat. Everyone has to perform. It's not just about being free. It's that we have to work to become abundant together. Uh, second is we need anarchy, man. That's yeah. the only way. In fact, that is written. Uh, if you look at uh, Genesis, that's actually what's happening is God is creating kings and queens to rule over his temple, uh, not with rulers. Uh, the downfall of Israel, you actually see that in First Samuel. Um, Israel says, make us a king. Give us a king. Give us a king. Make us like the rest of the nations. And then we see they get the ruler that they want and their downfall begins. Uh, you get to Jesus and he's like, Hey, you see that face on that coin? That's Caesar's. Give the Caesar's what's Caesar's. I'll take mine from the mouth of a fish, and I will get what I need. So, he, I mean, he is a straight-up, Jesus dude is a straight-up anarchist. Yeah. Um, uh, and then the S, that's socialism. We need socialism, uh, uh, like, in that biblical sense, honestly, of uh, working together, giving of what we what others need, sharing our food, teaching and learning and growing and in the sense of eating a community. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So distributing to those who are in need that were within our community. But then the last one, and this is the one that hit me home, is I realized, dude, I can't do it. I screw up. I make so many mistakes every single day, and um, you know, I, I'm still a broken person, and I need help. And for me, that's where I point to uh, God, and that T is Trinitarianism. Um, and I actually, you know, I, this is not to get spiritual on this podcast, but I actually think it's a beautiful model um, of unity and diversity. It is our ecosystem. It's the reflection of the world as it's been created for us. Um, you know, how does a plant take form? How does that happen? Carbon from the air that is invisible becomes visible in plant form. Uh, so for me, this idea of God coming to us in our weakness and um, filling us with his spirit, his wind, his, what is here that we're all connected to uh, is a great way to live in mystery of the world and realizing it's not all up to me. Um, that other things, if I take the steps forward, you know, things will happen. Um, I mean, I've heard it said in a lot of different ways. And, you know, me quitting my job was not just it opened up doors right every time i get a no i'm walking into a new direction and following the place that has the open doors and kind of living in that the mystery of that um and uh seeing the world um as a as a story man i'm i feel like i live in a cartoon in a and a fairy tale every single day from the interactions i have with people the things i have going on the farm and the ironies of life and uh so yeah man we need to get out of the caste system with an E and get into the caste system. And it is time to cast your nets on the other side of the boat. It's good analogy, brother. That's good analogy. <laughs> well, Hey man, thanks yeah. for uh, coming on the podcast, man. It was good to talk to you, man. And, uh, and, uh, 
Yeah, man. I mean, it's it's just good catching up with you, man. I had fun hanging out with you uh, in the evening times after we were done, just getting piles and piles of knowledge shoved into our brains. Um, So if people want to follow you and your work, or maybe if they're in your area and they want to, you know, get involved or, you know, get involved with Capos, I say that right? Kpos, that's right? good it's kpos but kpos, K-Pos works too yeah good thing um i don't enunci- pronounce things correct at all so kpos um and your farm what's the best way for people to go about doing that yeah uh so one is our websites our farm website is negoods.com like nebraska but it's new earth negoods.com uh our kpos website is k e i P is in Paul OS.org. Uh, and then we're both, we're on Facebook with both of those things. Um, uh, with the, the farm, which is new earth farm and goods and then KPOS Inc. Uh, and then people can follow me on Instagram and tell you the truth. I don't even know what my Instagram name is. <laughs> um, it's, I, I realized I was following you because we were talking on the phone the other day before we did this. <laughs> I will put it in the show notes. Um, but it is uh, let me. Your Instagram is Jonathan underscore Dodd. That's I know you have one like that. Do you have one That's for the it. business as well? Okay. Yes. I don't. I'm just doing my own personal one and just tagging the farm. I don't have time for Twitters and you know, you're hustling, man. Tumblers and I'm doing, I do all the website myself. I do, you know, <laughs> you know, it's a, it's not a job, man. It's a full on lifestyle that takes everything. Yeah. So. <laughs> now, nah, man, you're doing it, man. I mean, that's the biggest thing I think. And I think that's the biggest thing of, you know, why I wanted to have you on is because you're, you're doing it. You're doing it on your terms. You're living life with the, the principles you want to live and you're raising your family the way you want to live. And, you know, people might not agree with you 100% on everything, but I think the bottom line is is that they can learn is that you're doing things with your terms, man, and that's yeah. and that's what matters. I mean, that's what anarchy is, man. We don't all have to see the same things and everything like that. So, I don't I don't care if you got spiritual and everything, man, cuz that's yeah, who you are. And that's what I yeah. wanted for the and, podcast, right? Yeah, and you know, we welcome everyone here. We're not no, dude. I mean, on our I've... farm, everyone's welcome, and you know, we drop everything to, for tours and groups, and even our interns, the people who come here, no one has to be any certain way. You How know, did you go about getting interns, are. by the way? Because that's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, uh, so this is my third year doing it, so we got some track record with our local colleges. So I this year I have uh, one intern from Creighton University. We've had some in the past years from the other universities. I got, actually have a teacher at a school. And then our apprentice found me online through actually a region ag post. So just putting on, um, you know, what the positions we're trying to fill and then people reaching out to find us. That's awesome, dude. I mean, just keep doing it, man. I mean, you're making, making shit happen and, uh, we'll love to have you on again once you do publish your book and we can promote your book and, uh, everything like that, man. But everybody, thanks again for tuning in. You can actually sign up on Jonathan's websites on both of them. I actually did because I had these websites pulled up so I could read KPOS and say it wrong and uh, and everything <laughs> fun like that. But everyone, thanks again for tuning in real quick before we go. If people want to go to newfarmsupply.com, they can actually save 
20% off anything they buy. That's Grant Schultz's store, who Jonathan actually mentioned earlier on. Also, if you want to become an urban farmer and you want to take Curtis's course, you can save $100 at the bottom. There'll be a link that you can click on. It will save you $100 if you pay up front, or there's also a link for the payment plan. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you again for listening, and I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Yeah.